You understand me? We speak many languages. You're the Asgard, Thor's race, right? You have heard of us. Nothing but good things. You looked into the archive that stores all the ancients' knowledge. Apparently. It was not meant for you. Welcome back to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Seth Haight. And this week we are joined by a very, very, very special guest who you may recognize, Ben Nielsen. Dread it, run from it, my guest appearance destiny still arrives tonight. <laughs> nice. I feel like in previous appearances uh, for After Gates, those were just my post-credit scenes, and now I'm here to potentially destroy one of the hosts <laughs> Ooh, that's tricky because nothing of the host survives <laughs> okay so it's more like benos nielsen yes that is my preferred galactic name but okay. uh yeah okay. as always very pleased to be here thanks so much for having me <laughs> sure thing this week we're gonna be talking about season two episode 15 the fifth race yes we are our synopsis from tv guide while on a mission to decode ancient inscriptions, O'Neill has his mind overtaken by a superior knowledge. All right. So I'm just not going to read the Stargate Wiki synopses because they're all ridiculous and too long. Okay. So we're just going to do that for Delta Flyer. We're going to read Stargate Wiki synopses on Delta Flyer? That's <laughs> ridiculous. Yes, obviously. So this episode was written by Robert C. Cooper who has written quite a lot of Stargate, was one of the people involved with creating Stargate SG-1, and was directed by David Wary Smith, who has directed quite a few Stargate episodes, especially here in Season 2. Most notably, he directed... Get there. ...that we've already seen. He's directed Prisoners in Need, and in Season 1, he directed... Within the Serpent's Grasp. Yeah, he seems to have done a lot. Well, two out of three aren't bad. Yeah, and uh, an Atlantis episode as well. So he yeah. seems to have been quite a favorite on the set. Nice. It's always good to get someone who knows what they're doing behind the lens with regard to the, the show at large. So this is a rare episode, that I th- and I think this is a first. It has exactly the same name in every language. Whoa. The Italians didn't call it, like, Brain Drain or anything like that? Nope. La Quinta Raza. Yeah. So, speaking of translating languages, Mm -hmm. which we got a lot of in this episode. Yes, we did. Yeah. This is about halfway through the episode, I guess, and Jack is saying... Ego Indio Navo Locus. And it's Locus that Daniel gets hung up on? (laughs) 
what could that possibly mean? Right. Like if he, he he's able to get all of like the individual words immediately, but then locus he has. Oh, I better go. Which is also a Latin word. Yeah. Yes, I think it's spelled differently in Latin. How would he know how it's spelled? He was. That's another thing that I wanted to comment on. Thank you for leading me to that, Ben. Uh, You're very welcome. <laughs> when Daniel says that it sounds, it, he's it almost sounds like Jack is speaking medieval Latin, but some of the pronunciation yeah. is different. How does Daniel <laughs> or anyone, for that matter, know how medieval Latin is pronounced? How many planets have they been to? What does that have to do with anything? There's plenty of. I mean, there's plenty of planets they're going to that look awful a lot like medieval nonsense. But they speak English there. No one has spoken Latin. That we can hear. Maybe the whole team is fluent in medieval Latin. If the whole team were fluent in medieval Latin, then it wouldn't. Daniel wouldn't be the only one who could stay behind to talk to Jack. At this point, he's moved past talking medieval Latin. He's talking. Fine. I think we've dug a hole that isn't quite great. Yeah, no, it's 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 my hole. I live here now. <laughs> okay. I thought it was interesting because as a super fan of Tolkien mm-hmm. and a frustrated philologist of my own. Nice. It was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting because I always wanted to be Milo from the Last Atlantis Disney movie. That's where this all started. Yes. Okay. It was interesting to get into like the translations he was making into Latin and what they actually meant. So, like, for example, philatus, which he translated as ability, that translation is faculatus, which is faculty. But mm-hmm. faculty used to be ability until it became English. And so somebody on the set, like, knew what they were kind of doing, and that I appreciate. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if there was someone in the writer's room who took Latin. Sure, but we also have 10% of the brain, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Someone on the set, someone on the set was a liberal arts major. Someone on the set was not an anatomy and physiology major. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll forgive them that kind of just because everyone on TV, in TV makes that mistake. Oh, yeah, totally. But I was really impressed with the ability of the like, this sounds like Latin. It does sound like Latin. And somebody knew what they were kind of doing, in particular with Kosar's, because it sounds more like plural Latin for an upright structure in the body, cruce, if I'm not mistaken. And this is where the tweets start happening. But like, crura is the plural. And so like, it sounds more like a plural for legs than it does a singular for a leg. And that, it was cool for me. I had always assumed he was talking about his knees. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was weird that Teal said legs, because whoever talks about bending your legs? Fair. I'm sure that some people do. No one says lift with your legs, they say lift with your knees. Which also makes no sense if you think about it. You're not actually they lifting with your knees. They do say lift with your legs. They say lift with your legs, not with your back. See, this, see, what you're the, right. what? Yeah, you're right, they do say lift with your legs in that case. But no one's, but I still don't think anyone you're says- all remar- You're all remarkably Kruvis right now, I can't handle it. Kruvis, what is that? Uh, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, anyone else think it was weird that Jack could still type in perfect English? <laughs> yeah, so what, what's the term for the what he was experiencing? It, it's aphasia, right? Is it? Where you get to the end of the sentence and you say the wrong cranberry? Yeah, but it's not really, because he was still saying the right words, just in a different language. Oh. I think, yeah, I think um, Terrell Rothery 
took care of this at one point where she was saying that like the language was going first, not comprehension, but eventually he wouldn't be able to even like hear us correctly. I think she was saying like, he can't say it anymore. He won't be able to write it anymore. And then he won't be able to hear it. All right. Yeah. And I can trust old Doc Frazier. Yeah. Yeah. And the writing center is a little different than the speaking center, even though they're both active all the time because we use more than 10. We use all of it, all of the brain, all the time. (laughs) The Stargate wiki actually goes into a remarkably scientific explanation for why the 10% of the brain thing is working. Yeah, it led me to an actual, like, scientific journal article that was telling me why we would have killed off all those people when it came to, like, evolution. Like, they all would have obviously died because they were insane. Yeah. Yeah. So you also read all the notes on the Stargate Wiki, I take it, Ben. I I obviously do, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well if well then yeah, I mean at that point, what am I doing here? This should just be the Ben and Stewart show. I told you you'd be Coming replaced. Next Different week. show, but I told you. <laughs> so yeah, so basically and this is not new information, this is what all three of us know at this point, it would seem is that the concept, of course, is that it is a trope that people frequently say we only use 5 to 10% of our brain mm-hmm. power, I guess is usually the word that's used. And, I don't know, go to any episode of sci-fi or, like, Lucy, the movie. Yeah. There was that other movie, too. Thank you. I want to say Limitless. Uh, I don't know if they ever dropped the 10% thing in Limitless. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I think they like, did. I'm, I, like, I'm not saying they're wrong. I've never seen the movie, but I seem to recall they d- saying the 10% thing in the trailer. That would okay. make sense, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. The deal, um, is, yeah, the deal is that you only use 10% of your brain power, which is apocryphal, because perhaps someone who is completely like a wild person has only learned 10% of what they possibly could. But the concept of only using 10% in your brain doesn't make any sense, because if you don't send energy to a part of your body, it dies. Mm-hmm. And so you would have to send energy to your entire brain. And what we do know with actual science is that 20% of the body's energy is used to buy your brain. So if you only use 10% of your brain, but had to, I guess, energize the whole part of it, and this is where everyone realizes I was a poli-sci major, <laughs> you would have to have 18% of your body's energy wasted and natural selection would select that out. Yes. Because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah? Yes. Hey, yo, I can read one scientific article. <laughs> for for the longest time, I had had it in, uh, well, 10th of my head, <laughs> that <laughs> the sort of rationale behind that phrase was the idea that like once we started getting brain imaging uh was the idea that maybe we were only ever lighting up 15 to 20 percent like 10 between 10 and 20 percent of our brain at any given time you know we're not always thinking about descartes or something so that part of the brain maybe doesn't need to light up all of the time but then no 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 that that was also proven wrong and in reality it's it's quite the opposite it's more like there's only 10 percent of the brain that's ever idle at any given time that like isn't actively doing stuff like the brain's there to fill an important role which is to you know run everything so yeah and that totally makes sense in terms of but that's why it's apocryphal because like we 
had this whole 10% thing before we had brain imaging. And so the sort of like light up 10% effect was then used afterward as pseudoscience to make sense of the. Yeah, I mean, th- 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 that that's like saying, like, well, only like three ventricle like you know only one ventricle in the heart is ever actually pumping blood at a time it's like what that can't work no (laughs) speaking of heads and percentages uh it's also a myth that you lose most of your body heat through your head it is you lose no more of your body heat from your head than you do from any other part of your body the reason that that myth came about is because when you're in the cold, it's often your head is the only part that's exposed. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and incidentally, it is because when they were conducting these studies, it was the it was the only part that they had left exposed. Like the rest of the like the subjects' bodies were completely bundled up: gloves, yeah. boots, socks, mittens, like wool blankets, like the worst. And they were completely covered up all the way up and like just just over their shoulders. Like, well, look at all this heat that's escaping through their heads. Like, where else is it going to escape from? Huh? Yep. Cover everything but your nose, and you're going to say that all the heat escapes through your nose. Like, Yep. So, not really related to this episode at all, but because it's another common head myth. Yeah. Oh, and also just, you know, old-timey people getting science wrong. Mm. It is pretty crevice. <laughs> so, Stuart. So, Thad. What do you remember about this episode? Crevice. Crevice? What is that? <laughs> Kruvis, Kozars, the the head grabby bit. Although we do see that again, so the head grabby bit could could always be confused with other head grabby bits. Uh, hanging out with the Asgard at the very end. Yep. I remember most of the episode. Really, uh, I don't think there was anything that really jumped out at me. That I guess I didn't. I did not remember that he had reprogrammed the SGC computers to add a bunch of additional stuff to it. Mm, see, I I did remember that, but it wasn't until it happened that I'm like, oh yeah, this. I had forgotten that uh, Carter gets stuck, Carter and Teal get stuck on the other planet and Jack had to rewrite the DHD. Now, as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh yeah, now he's going to rewrite the DHD for them. But I had, going into the episode, I didn't remember that scene at all. How about you, Ben? Yeah, it was interesting because this is definitely one that I, this was during that time when I was watching them out of sequence. Um, so for those who hadn't heard, um, I watched this uh, in sort of syndication, and so they were all over the place. But I do recall this one in particular because I felt like there was a lot going on all the time, and there wasn't a lot of exposition in this one. Like something was happening pretty much the whole time. So definitely remember the hand-grabby thing. I was amused with the CGI hat flying off his head. <laughs> yes. Um, I was, I, it looks really old. Like, I know this is like 1998, but this seems like a very old show in this episode for some reason. And I think it's because Hmm. Daniel Jackson, like, has really bad hair and, like, his face isn't quite makeup yet, as it is in, like, a, uh, like, later episodes. So that was weird. Um, and then I thought it was really cool just the amount of, like, science and language and now we're doing these technical things that was very very cool and that's all stuff that i remember other than of course there were aliens finally there were actual real aliens yeah this actually uh, originally aired on january 22nd 1999 oh, okay cool well still 90 still old. yeah no yeah. <laughs> no 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 definitely i i just yeah sometimes i find a reason to work the date in sometimes i don't 
And this time I did. <laughs> so we began the episode with all of them in the briefing room and Daniel Jackson giving them, but mostly us, a refresher on Ernest Littlefield's planet. Mm-hmm. And I did like the bit where Hammond says, we all reread the report. It reminded me <laughs> a lot of uh, that running gag in Doctor Who. Oh, Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. Yes, we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one scene that even the aliens say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I liked that, though. I, I kind of liked how we basically just jumped right in with this episode. We had that, just that little bit of Daniel talking, and then boom, there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he reminds us it's meaning of life sort of stuff. That's all we need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a line they drop at least two or three more times throughout the rest of the run of this episode. It got kind of tiresome by the end. So I have to apologize for a minor mistake I made when we were talking about um, Message in a Bottle. I had speculated off-base that the probe reacted to Jack's ATA gene, and then we talked about, no, the ATA gene doesn't really come up until Lost City. The ATA gene doesn't even come up in Lost City. It The... The gene is not mentioned until the first episode of Atlantis. Okay, I guess the, I guess it's like a it's like back canon at that point. Yes, yeah. Like, hey, you ever wonder why all that weird ancient stuff keeps keeps reacting with you? Yeah, and I and I, and they do mention it on SG One in uh, Mobius because Jack's mm-hmm. the only one who can fly the ship. Yes, but now we are definitely getting ahead, and I guess technically behind with Mobius. So. <laughs> funny i thought it was you know at least a little funny no hey ben had a fake laugh that counts for something <laughs> don't tell me which of my laughs are fake was it this so when they got to the planet yes mm-hmm. how long you figure we ought to hang out here and scratch our cosmic heads that was 58 seconds after the gate closed and there were no cuts in that scene so apparently jack o'neill <laughs> New planet, if I'm not excited by something, less than one Earth minute, and we gotta get out of here. <laughs> this surprises me not at all. Nope. <laughs> I swear to God, if I don't see any trees, and I mean right now, I'm out of here. Uh, I, I, uh, I picked up on the, well, this has been an intergalactic waste of time, which I think may have come even before he said, how long are we supposed to wait? Um... I wanted Samantha Carter to say it is an intragalactic yeah. waste of time. That was the same thing that I was thinking of. <laughs> it doesn't become an intergalactic waste of time until much later in the episode. Right, yeah. I was also wondering Indeed. maybe it was uh, foreshadowing. Mm. It Indeed. It, was, it, it probably wasn't. <laughs> and then what is the deal with the cosmic heads? What... Why? Why did he use the word cosmic there? I feel like he only watches old sci-fi, and I bet you cosmic is the only word that he knows to describe such occasions. I mean, we we already know that he he mostly watches The Simpsons. Yeah, this is true. So burns his gold. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys notice that the the circle the the inscription on the ground was apparently being lit from above? Yes. And I was kind of confused as to why they opted to to go that route. It to me feels like it would have been easier to light it from below, but what do I know? I'm not a set designer. Well, it's like those uh, things on the floor in IKEA. Thank you. So in IKEA, yes, they have the arrows that show where to go, and a bunch of them 
in some spots, because I guess sometimes they move things around, instead of painting it on the floor, it's just lit from above. Oh, yes. No, I've seen this. Yeah. No, but but the inscription was written on the floor. I don't know, man. But they had made, like, a special halo spotlight, which maybe is easier than I think it is to make. Probably, actually, then, because the floor was probably just painted concrete, so... Hmm. Fair enough. From what I understand, the floor is pretty much always painted concrete on Stargate, unless they're outside. And even then, sometimes then. <laughs> I have notes. I have notes and notes. How many notes do you have this episode, Thad? More than two. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I also was hoping that Ben would jump in with some of his his notes. I have nine notes. I have a bajillion. That's that's why you bring me here. Half of them are interesting. Um, so, base eight math. That's better than mine. Yes. Base 8 math. Did you know it doesn't include the number 8? I did know that. Yes. Just like base 10 doesn't include the number 10. Right. It starts at 0. Okay. Well, that's... Check that off. That's all I got on that one. (laughs) I studied engineering in college. um, And also, one of my... And you don't know why it's not lit from the floor up? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it from that perspective and thinking, gosh, that would be pretty easy to build as, like, a floor illumination thing. Check out... Like, I understand how they let it from above, but I also can understand how they could build it from below. Check out Stargate Weekly for our floor lighting plan. It's an image that you can go see. In this episode on Floor Lighting Weekly. Right. Also, I studied... (laughs) I studied software engineering. Uh, Which still involves a fair amount of So, you know, how to control those lights. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or rather, how to control the people who write the code to control the lights, yeah. I just zoomed to that episode of 30 Rock where she's getting that award, and she goes to the lights person, and she's like, Hello, fellow lightsmith. How can I help you? (laughs) That's what I assume assume a, a software lighting engineer would do. Hmm. So... One of my notes is the dancing Egyptians on Daniel's screensaver. I love the dancing Egyptians. <laughs> yeah. That's a screensaver for the next, like, 20 years. Yeah, it is. One of my notes was all of these computers are so stinking loud. <laughs> yeah. It was the 90s, man. Computers were that loud back then. I had, like, forgotten how noisy computers were all the time. Yeah. Those fans. Is man. it mostly just, like, how loud the keyboards are, but also, like, all the wearing fans all the time? It's it's the whirring fans, like the drives make tons and tons of noise. Like I, I was I was telling Thad recently that I isolated which fan in my computer was making the weird like buzzing noise in the background and I pulled it and now my computer's dead silent again and everything and you know, life is good and worth living. Because, <laughs> like like modern computers have like like the laptop that Thad is recording this on has zero moving parts. Yep. I mean I guess I guess the keyboard technically moves, but like it has no fans, it doesn't have a spinning drive. Like it opens and like it has a hinge to open and close and the keyboard moves and that's it. Like not even the trackpad moves on his laptop. Yeah, it, it simulates a click when I click it. Yeah, the future is weird. It it works pretty well. I don't even realize it's not it's like the home button on an iPhone seven. Or eight. Or eight or six. Not six. Oh no, six was a real button, wasn't it? Not S either. Ah. Yeah. Okay, but seven and eight have the fake button. Right. This has been a brief interlude of fake button weekly. Hmm. So Sergeant Siler Yes. Was working on the DHD is stuck program. Yeah. Does he ever do like major tech things again, or is he just there with that massive wrench? 
He usually with the massive wrench. <laughs> I want to say though that he does consult on things beyond simply wrenching other things <laughs> once or twice more. He like he knows all the ins and outs. I I think that just like his preferred method of solving problems is wrenches. Yeah, because he's a technical expert, and that makes sense. But right. I don't see him doing alien tech. I thought he was just like a really like legitimate earth-based engineer yeah well i mean you know when all you have is a wrench every problem looks like a stargate (laughs) (laughs) that old phrase (laughs) right did anyone else uh expect like forget that this is not one of the episodes where siler gets shocked and assumes siler was going to get shocked when he says i could pull the main great breaker yes yes i was like i was completely expecting Siler to come along to try to like forcibly remove Jack away from the control panel and then get zapped away. Yeah, because it happens so often. I'm like, sure, this is surely this is one of the episodes where Siler gets shocked. No, no, no. This uh, is yes. this is apparently yeah intellectual Siler. So we got a different <laughs> kind of shock. Mm. Siler, an intellectual. <laughs> I was shocked that he was in the room. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Thor's race. Bringing it back to my earlier reference. Yeah. Where did the gem in the hand go? I don't know. Yeah, that that was weird. Also, which Infinity Stone was that? Because it seemed <laughs> multicolored, and I couldn't quite tell, but it seemed... <laughs> yeah, it's like, the, it's like the mood Infinity Stone. Yep. That makes sense. Big mood, yeah. So, whenever I see the Asgard... I'm just reminded of the line of, I believe it's season 10, it may be season 9, uh, when Cameron Mitchell first meets the Asgard. He's like, they look a little different from how I remembered, or how I was expecting. And Carter yeah. asks, oh, how so? He's like, well, for one, pants. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm usually reminded of someone was like, oh, and you really have to believe there's little green men. Actually, they're gray. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Because we're just jumping all over the place. Yes, we Finding are. Finding notes is hard. I have another note. Um, Bring it. So it would seem to me, and based on how we've seen things happen before, that if there's an incoming wormhole, while someone's dialing out, it just aborts the dial out completely. Mm-hmm. So if the DHD had frozen, and then the SGC calls in, to, and there's an incoming wormhole... Even if the DHD is still frozen, the gate should have reverted back to a to its default state. Meaning that the manual dial-out should have worked. Yeah, and obviously I'm not a Stargateologist, so that could be completely wrong, but no that's one is. what it... <laughs> you don't know that. Uh, Sam Carter and Tyler. <laughs> yeah, but it just seems to me that that would be the logical thing to have happened. Yeah, so I, I mean, truth be told, this show usually does hold up on logic like mostly like within bounds like you're Mm -hmm. like you allow them to bend the rules from time to time but i feel like mostly it tries to stay consistent with itself yeah Hmm. and i guess the question that i would have is that like i guess i don't understand what the energy source is between the dhd and a gate that isn't on because to me it's just two mechanical pieces that you could move around Right, and they don't even ne- normally need to move. They move. Yeah, it so moves like, at the SGC because it looks cool when it spins. But yeah, and so like, what's locking? Like, it's not magnetic, so like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it wouldn't be like locked. 
mechanically or like magnetically so you could always just move it also does the gate or does the gate not have enough power saved into it for one manual dialogue because that depends on the episode yeah so speaking of dialing the gate Mm -hmm. when jack reprograms the sgc computers yep we i assume sam like when she's sitting at the computer i assume that she's like entering commands or moving the mouse around we don't see her hands at all and i don't hear the click the clack of old keyboards which is how tv usually tells us that someone is using a computer is because they're like <laughs> constantly but stuff is happening on the screen that i assume is not part of whatever jack just did and one of the things that happens is right because it looks like a button gets clicked and all that yeah yeah like it pops back up and says no correlation to abydos cartouche or something like that mm-hmm. why is that a function built into the computer why why would the computer have this function already that's an excellent question because in theory they wouldn't have encountered anything that wasn't in the evidence cartouche before so yeah and who the heck cares if it is like you know what a like a valuable function would be like if or if not an address is already in your library or database yeah but like that that's as like solid an answer like that is what could have flashed on screen and it could have been general. One of these ad, like these addresses, are not in the existing database, which means they did not come off the. Which means they don't match the Abydos cartouche. That's all we needed. The computer doesn't need to know it. Yeah, and also the computer wouldn't actually know, and neither would they if it matches the cartouche or not. If the computer has to spend a day analyzing the address from the cartouche and then converting it into one that works in today's space, how? Can they possibly know that the addresses Jack added aren't converted addresses from the cartouche? Hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm not an engineer, so I couldn't possibly tell you. Okay. However, (laughs) that means that the math on the board, which Sam says, and this could be a groundbreaking thing in the math of stellar drift which then made me think of the next time jack gets the stuff downloaded into his brain uh-huh. future knowledge it happens again and it about is about six years or so yeah you know, colonel for nine down heavenly body you wrote uma thurman yes yes <laughs> anyway uh even without him saying that it's actually base eight math versus base 10 math. And Sam adapted to that switch very, very quickly. Yes, she did. Yeah. That was awesome. I I can more or less, I I can switch between base two and base 10 easily ish, but it takes me like a second of thought to, to Mm -hmm. like re to like reencode base two, but like base 16. No, I can't just like rattle off hex and base eight. That seems annoying too. Yeah, I would agree. Like with at that. one point, one of the equations was like something like the, like the root of forty-six factorial over six factorial, or something to that effect. Well, if you're doing Stargate addresses, the first six characters are dynamic, and the seventh is locked in because it's the point of origin. Right. Which means that like the six factorial that matters. So it, it's taking the total count of all of the symbols on the gate over the possible count to compose a six-digit address. And since it's factorial, that to me says that you could theoretically dial the same six symbols in a row. 
because there's a different nomenclature that I can never remember would but would have recognized as not being the normal nomenclature if you're saying it's like it's six unique digits. You could possibly even dial the same seven digits in a row. That seems unlikely, but yes. Also, this this brings up my old point, which I've brought up before. Why do you even have to enter the seventh symbol if it's always the same? Because sometimes you need an eighth symbol. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that is. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> most DHDs can't even do an eight symbol address. We determined that in Atlantis. True, and I look forward to having one of my fellow fans explain. All of the last three minutes of conversation <laughs> to me at some point. Yes, please. If you are a Stargateologist, tell us all about how we're wrong about everything we just yeah. said. Yeah, I look forward. I've done. I've done language today. I've done science today, and I use the word software today. So I'm in for a lot of will actually. Like you've I'm used a hundred percent of your brain. I'm ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, if someone wants to gate-splain this to us, go right ahead. Bring it on. By all means. Yeah, no, because most of my math skills are very, very rusty. Yeah, mine are mine were, never, were not as good as Stuart's to begin with and are at least as rusty. And mine don't exist, so there's that. Nice. Getting back to language, though. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Back to me. <laughs> so, so Daniel says he translated it as um well my translation is a little bit vague um i think the circle means the place of our legacy um or it could be a piece of our leg but the first seems to make more sense how are those the two possible translations yeah do leg and legacy have the same root i should have looked that up but i didn't i'm gonna go ahead and say no yeah, no, because especially given that it's English, and it seems like for any given sentence of seven words, they have eight different, like, proto-language roots. There's, I mean, like, for example, like, the like the words man and woman have different proto-language roots. This is something I learned relatively recently. So, like, and that just sort of kind of boggled my mind a bit, because in English, they go hand in hand. And apparently outside of English, no. Like, they have two completely different roots. And I feel like I can, using quick Wikipedia and just, like, my background, like, legacy as a word in terms of, like, what I leave behind is, like, a property word. Whereas, like, leg is a body part. And so one would presume that leg would come from Greek, like most of our medical words come from. Mm -hmm. And, like, legacy is a property term, and usually property and government comes from Latin. They both come from Middle English, uh, but... uh, Because, like, legato... Leg comes from Old Norse, originally, and legacy comes from Latin originally. So, yeah, they're different roots. Okay, cool. So they wouldn't sound the same, especially Mm -hmm. when one doesn't even have a Latin root. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or even know what the language sounds like. Yeah. Also, we we know what the Latin root is because we just said leg wrong in the episode. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Although, the the Asgard might know that Old Norse root. Yes. Oh, yeah, hey. All right. All right. But Daniel would not. Yeah. Right. Which reminds me of, like, the very beginning of the episode when, like, Daniel is showing them the, what is it, secret of life, facts of, what's the term? I've already forgotten it. Meaning of life stuff. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, meaning of life stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, when he's going back over the Meaning of Life stuff, even though they all reread the mission report. And for people who have all now read this mission report at least twice, because they reread it. Most of them wrote it. Right. <laughs> and most of them were there the first time around. It seems weird to me that Daniel's the only one who points out, oh, hey, you see, these these are runes. Where else have we been that have had runes? Samaria. Well, did he did he present that photograph as the first time everyone else in the room is seeing the photograph? I mean, there's no way it's the first time they've ever seen the photograph because four out of five people in the room were there when they took the photograph. It is weird that they don't mention the connection with the Asgard because they've already met the Asgard. Right, like, it's weird like that, like, until now, he's bringing up, and he's the only one to bring up the connection, and no one else was like, yeah, we already recognized that. They're all like, aha, that was the missing link we needed to get on board with your wacky plan, Daniel Jackson. Sure. Yeah. I guess my understanding was that Daniel had gotten the report from P3R272, which is the room that they went to, and where the probe went. Right, with the circle. Yeah, and this was the first time anyone else in the room, I guess, was, like, in-depth reading the pictures. This was the first time that we had seen the circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it was the first time that everyone else in the room was like, "Oh, I'm like, I'm sure Jack isn't reading the mission reports from like SG, whatever the hell, or other Melbs." Sure. And so I guess for me it was like Jackson was like, "Hey, I was going through this report and noticed this photograph." But to your point, I guess they probably should have been paying more attention if it was meaning of life. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Jack hadn't reread the report. I mean, right? Yeah, no, no, of course. Or the, you know, or even necessarily Teal. I don't think they're rereading the report from the. I don't think they're rereading the report that just came in. I think right. They reread the report of the original trip. Yeah, from Ernest Littlefield's planet. I was gonna be. Ref- I was gonna reference uh, Window of Opportunity when. He's when, in the middle of his backswing. Yeah, when they're trying to when they're trying to come up with a rational explanation for why Jack knows what Daniel's what what Carter's about to say, and she says, "Maybe oh, he yeah. read my report." And Daniel's like, "Maybe he read your report." <laughs> he doesn't read, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I guess I wasn't explaining myself super clearly, but Ben, what I was referring to was that, like, on when they first encountered the meaning of life stuff. One of the four languages in the room was the Asgard language, which they then encountered again when they meet the Asgard on Samaria with the the Vikings and everything. And, and called out as this is the language from that one planet. Right. It, it, okay, it, cool. it, it, yeah. It, it feels weird to me that it wasn't until we're back here in this briefing room that like Daniel had to say it out loud before everyone else got on board and like recognized what they sense. were looking at. Now, was that just like a, hey, audience, we'd like to have a cut to commercial? I think, I think that meant, yeah, I, I think, if not cut to commercial, it's, I, I think it was, I think the first, like, 30, 45 seconds of the episode were some serious audience hand-holding. In mm-hmm. case this is your first time watching Stargate. Well, that's because it's the 90s. If this was done today, we would have just seen a previously on Stargate SG-1. And yes. then they would have cut right to the, yeah. Yes, which Netflix would have blessedly let you skip. Yes. <laughs> When Jack and Teal'c are boxing, what is that red jock strap that he's wearing? I was wondering about that as well. That's quite a lot of padding on that. Because as an intellectual, I would like to talk about the serious implications of this episode. <laughs> what is that red jock strap that he's wearing? Right. That's so much padding for his genital area. <laughs> it is not a weight training belt because I don't know what that is, so I looked it up. That's not what it is. No, it's like no, it's a harness not. for him doing like wire tricks. 
maybe they originally had planned that Teal's counterpunch would have like flung him across the room or something. That would make sense, actually. And then that just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And then it just never actually happened, right? Okay, sure. So I would like to register my disappointment that we never actually see the furlings. And no, Correct. I'm not counting 200. <laughs> okay. Consider it registered. That was the thing I forgot. Oh, okay. Weren't you waiting for them to show up in Origins as like a, hey, remember, we have fans? That would have been amazing. That would have made Origins And then they were better. like, oh, wait, no, we don't remember we have fans. They totally right. forgot they had fans. Let's be honest. Yeah. I'm sorry. No one, no one had, you know, denigrated that web series yet so i had to that's fair yeah like a cave painting or something when they, <laughs> when they got to the cartouche you're like an hour hieroglyphic they could just like lingered on oh my god that'd be so good if we had an episode where like the same writing system is in place but it's just like a pan by and then there's a cave painting of these creatures that we don't understand but that same script is yeah. present oh that would have been amazing no yeah. one comments on it ever that would have been, a, yeah, I would have been down with that. That said, speaking of paintings and things, one the one, one of the few things I liked about Origins was when she damages the bottom of the cartouche. <laughs> yes. That's enough of that. Yeah. But, also speaking of paintings and things, why does Daniel have a compass and that weird squiggly thing and a triangle in his office? All of which Jack uses to freehand draw the DHD he didn't schematic. actually use the compass for anything that would require a compass either. If you'll notice, he just placed it on the tape on the paper for a second and then picked it back up. He didn't turn it or anything. Yeah, well, because there's also like a way of using the compass where you're using it just to like plot out distances. But he since he didn't like adjust it at any point. That was like right. But he's got a yeah. He, he has a straight edge right there that presumably also has measurements on it. He could have just used that if it was a distance thing. Maybe it's that thing where you're in your office and you need to make like a smiley face, and so you take mm-hmm. a plate from the kitchen area and just trace it, and it just happened to be the only thing that he could have used in the near area. There was nothing to trace a circle, so he decided to use the compass for no reason. But he didn't even draw a circle. That's the thing. Did he just use the pencil in it to just like squiggle? He picked up the compass. I don't even think he did that. He's yeah. He's like picked it up, put it on the piece of paper, looked at it. And then, and then took, took it off a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you noticed when he was writing, I think it's it's not ten equals eight. It's something else. I think it's like a drawing. Mm-hmm. But when he rips the piece of paper off, there's like another one underneath. Exact same drawing underneath. Yep. Which is like clearly a TV thing because he probably did that several different times. Right. Ben, ben, the fact that you read the Stargate Wiki is really cramping my style and removing all the interesting factoids that I can bring to the show. I made it very clear what I was doing at the very beginning of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yes, I also read that same factoid. Nice. Yeah. Read his tweets. He's also potentially sleeping with the director. He wants your spot. (laughs) Who's the director? I I don't know, but then sleeping with them. (laughs) I believe it. That's pretty on brand. That's fine. So perhaps perhaps Ben's fiance is the director. (laughs) Mm, That could be. He's the caretaker. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. So one of the last points that I have is as someone who has suffered second degree sunburn twice. Oh, yeah. Sam's skin is in great shape. Yeah. 
she bounced back from that really quick. Yeah, this is very like when they do like the cheekbone cut to remind you that they have great cheekbones. Mm-hmm. And then, like the eyebrow cut, because it doesn't actually fix their like hurt their face at all. Like her sunburn was right. very cute. Yes, <laughs> though she did have it later on when she was at the computer. Like there were yes. remnants left, which I thought was a good touch. A, a tiny hint of it, but not yeah. much. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, w- w- yeah. When she comes back into the room, and they're all discussing, and they're all looking at uh, Jack's souped up mega garbage disposal that he has assembled and yeah like oh how are you feeling oh much better it's like i just you know i took a shower i'm feeling great now after having been blasted by two sons yeah yeah there would be skin peeling she would have like heat radiating like radiating off her face yeah, no, yeah, yeah, red all over the place. Yeah, like her 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 face should be a shade of red that you yeah. only see on like fire engines or something. Beats. Yes, and then the blisters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But no joke, it's very unpleasant. It's very very unpleasant, and then your skin turns gray. It's very unpleasant and gross. Do you want to talk this one out? No. It feels no, like you no. have some lingering thoughts about. <laughs> no. No, uh, Stewart's just intimately familiar with this because his skin is about three shades whiter than snow. (laughs) Yeah. It's not off-white, it's (laughs) on-white. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get get called by Sherman-Williams every so often so they can make sure that, you know, their their white palettes are correctly calibrated. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, well, I think I've covered all of my notes. Oh, uh, there's no Walter. We had not Walter again. It made me so sad. I hate Walter's understudy. Oh, yeah. Graham Simmons. Yeah. He's an early Elliot type. Hmm. Uh, we didn't even get have interesting not Walter who wore a lab coat like we did a couple weeks ago. Right. Oh, did you guys think that Asgard number two sounded a lot like one of the unicorns from the Charlie the Unicorn video. Hey, Charlie! <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I thought they were going to steal his freaking kidney. <laughs> Maybe that's why they had that like rainbow stone in there. Ooh, oh, yeah, because rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. yeah. Tying it back. And we've solved the puzzle. Well done. Yeah. So are we to understand that the like, garbled talk is Asgardian? That's my assumption. Okay. Because that's kind of cool. I like that. Although, oh, yeah. The, yeah the, wouldn't we assume that Asgardian would sound somewhat like Old Norse? And I'm guessing that doesn't sound... I've never heard Old Norse, but I'm assuming that doesn't sound anything like Old Norse. Well, no, because it kind of didn't sound like a human right. lord could do that. So Right. You just had like, weird like echo effect going on. Which, actually, now that I think about it, no, it would make sense. The Asgard may not sound just sound... Even though... Ancient is very much like Latin. That doesn't necessarily mean that Asgard is very much like Norse because, well, the ancients had human-esque mouths and the Asgard do not. Yeah, and I think the only way that ancient sounds like Latin is because there is some presumption in Daniel's explanation that they came back around the time of the Romans. Yeah, after the Wraith drove them out. Yeah. And that's when they taught the Romans how to build roads. Which, when he first said it, I thought he meant R-H-O-D-E-S. That was the Greeks. Me too. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, no, me too. And I thought, but that wasn't the Romans. <laughs> so why is it that 
the ancient brain fiddly tech always looks like something out of a Geiger fever dream. <laughs> whereas none of the rest of their tech ever looks like this. Mm. Maybe it's like a stay away humans. That's you why know, it's scary and like, huh. Actually, I was thinking it does kind of look like uh, some of the tech on Destiny, I thought. Vaguely. There were some visual similarities, which is interesting, because that's actually the only th- time that any of the stuff on Destiny has visual similarities to any of the other ancient tech that we see. I suppose that, yes, on Destiny, things are more curvy and swoopy. Yeah. Which they largely got rid of by the time that they were, you know, building giant flying hyperdrive cities. Right. And yeah, the explanation for that is that Destiny is considerably older than yes. Atlantis. But I was just thinking that the you know the um you know, the the stone device mm-hmm. the the mind swapping stone device. Yeah. And this wall thing both like they they both share a design aesthetic. Yes. And I, I do think it's more similar to Destiny than it is to anything else ancient. It is definitely more, yes. You're not wrong there. But it still is not... It would have been nice to see more stuff on Destiny that looked less industrial punk and more like that. If that had been in one of their intentions. Yes, I would agree with that. But. So as subject specialists, when one of the Asgardians says the ancients moved on from this region of space long ago... Mm-hmm. Is that a? Did they pick that back up in Atlantis? Because it's not a Destiny reference. Because there was never anybody on that ship. Correct. That ship was always unmanned. Just exploratory. So, do you feel like? Do you feel like Atlantis? They may have been talking about Atlantis. I think they were talking about Atlantis. That, that's well. I mean, Atlantis brought it back. But in. they could also have been talking about Ascension. Oh, that makes that actually makes a lot more sense. I was trying but to I figure that one out, just like think with future knowledge. In actuality, the writers had planned out either of those plot points yet. Oh, certainly not. But I was wondering if part of the like Wraith drove them out plot line was a pickup from this because I'm trying to because like this episode brings up a lot of stuff we're going to talk about every single episode, including the like. We meet the fifth race, which I won't tell you, but just take a guess. Like, we figure that one out at some point. You have already taken the first steps towards becoming the fifth race. Yeah. So, yeah, for those who either don't know or don't remember, just a very brief history of what happened with the ancients. They started out on Earth. They were the first evolution of humanoids on Earth. From that person we found in the snow. Yes. And there was a terrible... It was a disease. Disease. Yeah. Yeah. That they moved across the galaxy to escape? No, I think they jumped galaxies. No, 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 the disease was later, wasn't it? Wasn't the disease was why they they ascended? A brief history of the ancients, poorly told. Yes. (laughs) Because I thought the disease was why they, they ascended. Maybe let's just leave it where it was. <laughs> yeah. I know the ancients started out on Earth. They eventually moved to... And they built the Stargate Network. I am going to ask... They... Jack goes to another galaxy to get with the Asgard so they can get the stuff out of his brain. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Ida galaxy, I think. But, yes, they do tell us what galaxy it is. So it's not Pegasus. Right. No. So... They're not even referencing Atlantis. 
No, they're not. They're definitely not the same. Yeah, they're referencing, I guess, something like before. Like they had some sort of interaction with the ancients, and the ancients, I guess, spread across multiple galaxies, which I th- guess I think does get hinted at in Atlantis and SG One. But you're talking about the ancients spread. The ancients did yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a plague, and the survivors fled the Milky Way to escape the plague. And then they ended up getting driven back by the Wraith. Mm-hmm. And then they ascended. And there's nothing in there about their time spent in the galaxy of Ida? No, none at all. Okay. So that's why I don't... Th- I think that was just a... They may have still... The Asgard may... That line doesn't really hold water with what we know about stuff later. But I th- right. think... What they meant for that was that... I think what they meant for this was that uh, the Ancients had gone very far away. Farther away than the section of space that includes the Milky Way and Ida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we do later find out that the Asgard are intergalactic planetary, but only in a very limited, limited sense. Yes. They are mostly focused on the Milky Way galaxy. And there are splinter groups of both the Ancients and the Asgard that we do not need to get into at this time. Not, no, no, no. I also accept that just 10,000 years ago, an ascended individual went to the Ida galaxy and then left again. That, to me, sounds like long ago. Yeah, yeah good enough. That's fair. Yeah, that's fine. I don't need my universes to be that canon-specific. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it... It gets complicated because, as we said, they hadn't dis- they hadn't planned out all of the Correct. big canon stuff that we know now from future knowledge. Yeah, and that's the problem with having shows come after because they have to obey all these rules. See any franchise? Yes. <laughs> and I'm okay with them just being like, you know what? Long ago, ten years, ten thousand, ten million, whatever. It was yesterday. That counts. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, I'm done. If you are. I have no more notes. Neither do I. Well, then, thanks everybody for listening this week, and thank you, Ben, for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me. I will decide which of you will be with us next week. There you go. (laughs) If our listeners enjoyed this, then they should definitely check out our other podcast, which Ben has guested on as well, Delta Flyer Pod. Although, at this point, our first season has wrapped up, so this is great. You can just download the whole thing and just binge it. Yeah. Great. It's a great podcast. You can find and review both on your podcast player of choice, and you can reach us at our email address, stargateweekly at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. Ben? And I am at Benji Nielsen uh, on Twitter as well. Finally, you can follow the show on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. And that's our show. Yeah. Yeah.